everybody, Chris Gether here. Welcome to another episode of New Jersey is the World. Very happy to touch base with you as we talk all things Jersey. Very eventful times in New Jersey with Senator Menendez leaving and fall coming and apple picking season being here and Halloween on the way. So many things to talk about when it comes to Jersey. But guess what? This week we have an interview with one of the great artists and coffee salesmen and just general kind of lovable weirdos of New Jersey. It's the great John Kaz. I'll speak to that more in a second because I want to let you know John Kaz has a show at Ghost Hawk Brewery in Clifton on November 4th and uh, he'll be showing his new film, The Legend of Louie, which is a movie slash EP he's releasing with four songs and it's all inspired by Weird New Jersey. And I love that. Speaking of Ghost Hawk Brewery in Clifton, New Jersey. Wanted to let everybody know that on Saturday, October 7th, our own Colonel Carson Cop is holding a New Jersey is the World show there. He's got music from Brewster and Secret Country, and we hope you come on out to Ghost Hawk Brewing. It's 321 River Road in Clifton. It's right there near Rutz Hut, so you can make a whole Jersey day out of it, and we will see you there. That's October 7th, Saturday. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Doors are at 6 p.m. Come on out to Ghost Hawk Brewing. That's Ghost Hawk Brewing. I don't know why I swallowed that last word. In Clifton on October 7th. Music by Brewster and Secret Country. It's going to be awesome. John Kaz. John Kaz is great. We just played in Patterson together. He has played music on one of the New Jersey's The World live shows we used to do in Asbury Park. Really great guy. He is behind Kaz Coffee. He is behind a lot of songs about New Jersey. He knows a lot about the Jersey skate scene. He's an artist. And I just have a real big place in my heart for him. Although, as you will hear, our origin story of how we got to know each other, far from ideal. Far from ideal. But anybody who's contributing stickers to the Jersey Collective sticker machine and anybody who's making this many songs about weird New Jersey sites, let alone films that tie it all together, let alone selling coffee out of a trailer at farmer's markets throughout North Jersey. I go, this is a person that we need our fan base to know about. And if you haven't experienced John Kaz in any way, there's so many ways to experience him. So go make it happen. And remember, The Legend of Louie is coming out. It's a new film slash EP, four songs. And if you want to see it live, November 4th, Ghost Talk Brewery. And one more plug. Saturday, October 7th, Ghost Talk Brewing, Brewster and Secret Country. That one's put together by our own Colonel Carson Cop. Now, let's get to this great interview with one of the true characters making New Jersey what it is these days. It's the great John Cobb, everybody. Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard here. And so happy to be interviewing our guest today for New Jersey is the World. Uh, we've interviewed New Jersey artists along the way here, New Jersey small business owners along the way, New Jersey cultural tastemakers along the way. This is someone who's all of those things. It's the great John Kaz. How are you, John? I am good. It's a rainy Sunday in Jersey. was making wine this morning with my family and went skating. And then you hit me up. Now we are here. 
What a great, I mean, <laughs> winemaking, skating, and now uh, talking about this. I do want to briefly tell our origin story, though. Yeah. I think you're tired of me telling it. No, no, it's good. I think on, on the podcast, it has to happen. Yeah, I think we could, um, what's it called? Uh, have it in writing, and maybe that's the, uh, maybe, maybe we're ready to get past it after this that. This will retire. We, it. We, we, <laughs> yeah, we immortalize it on the podcast. So I, I first learned of John because a couple of years ago, I put out a comedy album called Taylor Him egg and cheese. And it was all jokes about New Jersey and, and growing up in New Jersey, living in New Jersey. And in general, people got a kick out of the idea. And I, I started to get some messages though, from people who were telling me that I was ripping off John Cause. And I saw that. And at first I was like, oh, uh-oh, I hope I didn't step on anybody's toes with this. And then I, I got one message in my DMs that was an enthusiastic friend slash fan of John's. And the guy took the bit too far and basically told me like that's John Cause's bit, and you better watch your ass. Like it, it was a little aggressive and told me to watch out. Something along those lines. I don't want to exaggerate it too much, but it did did say it did say. Nah, he was being a jerk. He was being a jerk. And what um, what what none of these people knew was that I had recently had a kid, and I had also recently had um, some incidents where where. Uh, I had been dealing with it, so, uh, uh, someone online who who was having some mental issues and threatening me. So I all of a sudden freaked out because I was a new father who was never sleeping and had also been dealing with some stuff. And I started really venting at this person. And I was like, all oh, you guys who are telling me about this John Cause, I was like, I didn't rip anybody off and don't you threaten me. And I sent John some screen grabs. I was like, Hey man, not familiar with your work, but just so you know, this is what your people are doing. And John very quickly to his credit was like, Oh <laughs> my bad. I thought it was funny to tell people. And then I looked up John's Instagram. We started chatting and we had some mutual friends in common. Include I, I remember distinctly King Mike from screaming females was a mutual friend. And I was like, and then there was a bunch of videos of him skating in places I recognized in Montclair. And then I started listening to his music about Jersey. And I was like, Oh, uh, a, a few months later, I reached back out and I was like, uh, "Hey, that was I overreacted a little bit to that guy, but I think we're destined to be friends, and that's how we've gotten to know each other." Hell yeah, it's pretty all right. You have you have passionate and devoted friends who are willing to get your back <laughs> and take the bit. Yeah, two steps I too far. Yes, I kind I kind of retired um, the uh, Instagram call to action after that because <laughs> in the in the past I had done it. And uh, largely get ignored at situation. Well, actually, yeah, mo- for the most part, get ignored. The only other time it worked was uh, I bullied my way onto a show with um, Chris DeMakes from Less Than Jake. Oh, I got enough people. He's a nice guy. To, uh, yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I kind of did the same bit where I was like, I grew up listening to this guy's music. No way he's coming to Jersey and not playing with me and kind of just was trying to sell the idea that he had the audacity to have me as a fan and not ask me to play, obviously not knowing who I am. Uh, But then my friend ended up doing sound at the venue that it was at and got me on the show. So, yeah, those were the two instances that it worked out. And then I was like, this is, these are like real, like you guys aren't like some freaking celebrities in the ether or whatever. You're real people. And I should not do this. I was just a a terrified father who thought a man was threatening me that if I step foot in Jersey again, but it was also funny too, because if I had a, 
I feel like if I had had the time, just if I, it all happened at once. And if, if I had looked it up, I would have been like, oh, this is really funny. But unfortunately, before I had the chance to look it up, that one guy yeah. just well, heightened it a little too far. I was listening to your, okay. your interview on that pod, some podcast the other day. I forget what it's called. Maybe, uh, I think it's like a hardcore band. Oh, it's um, Obi Morse. But, uh, the One Life, One Chance podcast. But in that, you were talking about how you and your friend were like from Hawaii, were like on some trolling, yes, trolling bands. Yes. Like, yeah. I was like, he probably like in hindsight was like, all right, this is like a classic. Oh, I've done far worse. Yeah. Yeah. I I did, yeah. Once I realized that you're like an Essex County guy putting up music about New Jersey, that reference is weird New Jersey where I used to work. I started giggling uncontrollably. In the moment, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and again, I, whoever your friend is, should he hear this? I don't want him to feel bad either. It was just one of those things where yeah. like, um, he, was, he was doing it to make you and your circle of friends laugh and himself laugh, probably not realizing that I was seeing all of it and was going like, what the fuck is going on right now? Yeah. And getting, like, yeah. Not realizing someone was actually seeing it all. So it's all good, but it's very funny. Yeah. And since then, yeah. <laughs> you've played in New Jersey as the World Live show at House of Independence. We played Prototype together. And uh, we've both been in uh, Carrie Sullivan, the New Jersey fan club, Sphere of Influence. You've got stickers in her, her sticker machine. So a lot of crossover and I am a fan of your work, despite our our uh, <laughs> rocky start. Is, although, is there any better way to get to know each other as two Essex County fellows than through false false threats? That is very yeah. Essex County false I think, aggression. I think it's a good, uh, indeed, good icebreaker. Indeed. So maybe we should start there since it's come up because there's three big things I wanted to talk to you about today. Three things that I know the New Jersey is the world fans will know and love. One. I want to know about your music and your dedication to New Jersey as a topic in your music. I want to talk about Kaz Coffee because you're doing very cool stuff with it. Um, and when you talk about small businesses in New Jersey from the ground up, this is a prime example of a great one. And then I need to hear about this new film that you're promoting. All three of those things will be of great interest to our listeners. So maybe we can start with the, the music, talk about that for a little bit. And then build up to this new film because you've put out a new film about the Jersey Devil himself. Yeah, well, it's all, it's a it's a music project and movie, so we could do music and it'll tie into perfect. The movie. Yeah, let's do it. Um, music, I do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't. I w well, you're being bashful. I'll say you got a question. You to often start it off? build your live shows under the name John Kaz and the Rippers. Rippers, of course, being references to Ruts Hot Hot Dogs. And when we played at Prototype in Patterson recently, you were able to start not just some songs, but literally every single song would go, this one's about this food item somewhere in Jersey, or this one's about going down Clinton Road with your friends. Here's another one about a different weird New Jersey spot. You do have a real dedication to writing songs specifically about things like Taylor Ham, hyper-local references to hot dog places all our listeners know, weird New Jersey spots they've been to. So I want to know what is behind. It's funny coming from me because I am someone who's the same way, but I want to know what drives you to make so much of your musical output uh, songs that are hyper specific references to New Jersey. Well, I, for, for me, it's like when I first started writing music, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do or what, what kind of music I wanted to write. And I really like Modest Mouse, 
And I was like, like he writes such like prolific lyrics. And I was like, I can't, I can't write metaphors or like, you know, like I can't f- come up with some beautiful metaphor. I could barely, uh, I could barely read. Uh, so I went the opposite route and kind of, uh, Jeff Rosenstock, who I know you're friends with, is like another huge influence of mine. I was like, well, his songs are all just like hyper specific, just very unique situations to him. And just like everything is so hyper specific, but it relates to other people. I think it's so specific that it like you're like, oh, I don't I obviously wasn't there for that. But this connects to me. And I started just connecting with that idea. And um I just, I took that kind of whole hyper specific thing. It was like, well, like, and nobody's, you know, like if I was coming up, trying to come up with metaphors, people would be like, why would you say that? Like, we, I don't know, just self-conscious about trying to come up with these metaphors. I was like, nobody could uh, discredit anything that's true. So I just started writing songs about places where I live and just things I enjoy. And, um, yeah, just I don't know. I I have just always uh, appreciated being from here, and I think just kind of whether I've realized it or not. For I mean, at this point, I do because enough people have said it. Uh, just like a Jersey guy through and through. So um, it just really, I just really started to lean into it because too many people were saying I'm a Jersey guy. So I was like, fuck it, I guess. This is the bit. I'll say even just in your album title names, before we get into the song title names, you've put out albums with names like Salt, Pepper, Ketchup, which everyone knows what that's about. Deep Fried, you could argue that that's a Jersey reference. Relish on the Good Times is certainly connected. Sunday Sauce is something that a lot of Jersey people understand the reference to Sunday Sauce. Um, Let alone some of the song topics themselves. Would you be willing to tell us some of the Jersey specific songs that you have and, and what inspired them. Um, yeah. So there's at least two or three songs about Styrtown, um, which if you don't know, is just a shopping, uh, like a shopping strip mall in Clifton, Styrtown bakery, best crumb cake ever. Uh, it's just where me and my friends hung out growing up. Uh, we would just skateboard and drink coffee at the Dunkin' Donuts every night. And then the TikTok diner was like around the corner. It was like we would go to the TikTok diner and then uh, TikTok diner started getting too expensive. So we we're like, well, we're just coming here to drink coffee. So let's go to Dunkin' Donuts. So a bunch of songs about Styrtown. Um, then obviously the Taylor Ham song, Braincation. That's, um, I always wanted to write a song about Taylor Ham because Ween did but they called it pork roll, egg and cheese and they're not from Jersey. And that was big offense. So needed to write a Taylor ham song. Uh, there's a Rutz hut song. It's not specifically about Rutz hut. It's more about eating fast food uh, or yeah, just like greasy food in general and kind of my relationship with food. Uh, but the Jersey versus Shout out to Rutz Hut. Um, other foods. Uh, well, the Italian meat song is just a song about Nutley uh, <laughs> in general. And just kind of being a fucking, 
I don't know, Nutley on paper is like a very beautiful town. There's a park that just runs through the whole town. Uh, and it's like more or less like upper middle class people. But there, there are just some crazy people in Nutley. Like just like when I, especially when I was growing up in Guido culture was like, like Jersey Shore and nightclubs were like, I feel like having this Renaissance moment. Um, and Armani exchange was just like so big. Everyone was wearing it. And I was just like, kind of trying to be this punk rock kid. And everyone's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? So that's what that song is about. Um, but yeah, those are probably the, the main food ones, main New Jersey ones. And, some other songs, some stuff that I don't release. Just like I like to play like country stuff. I don't always release that, but I write like I wrote some song about my grandparents' house in Hunterdon County. Uh, but that one will never come out. That's just for me. It does seem like a lot of your output is. Imagine if you grew up skating vaguely around the the Route Three corridor and just yeah. every couple of days stop down and wrote down some lyric ideas based on whatever was right in front of your face in that moment. Yeah. Seems like a lot of it is as simple as that. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to keep it simple. Just, I, I don't know. I don't like to overthink things. And when I appreciate people who, who have these like grandiose ideas or like really like uh, work to perfect their stuff. But to me, it's like, if it's hard to sing or hard to play, it's probably hard to listen to. So I've just tried to keep it like, is I don't know. I, I guess that could come off as like a lack of trying, but I definitely try hard to write songs. I think it comes off as being humble as an artist and knowing how to fully maximize what you have to say. I think that's how it comes off. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, and you've also extended it not just uh, to your own work. You also uh, run a label called Pizza Bagel Records, which when you go to pizzabagelrecords.bandcamp.com, the banner across the top top says, what's more New Jersey than pizza Um, and bagels? Yeah, Pizza Bagel Records is uh, mine and my buddy Max Roush, who records all my music. He has a band called Lake Effect, uh, formerly had a band, Washington Square Park. Uh, He's been in music for, I, I don't know, he's been in music for like 20 years he's the the west orange guy that uh you you were like ah at the uh in the in new jersey is the world show you're like ah he's at the top of the hill or whatever whatever you got Up the hill yeah. down the hill but he was cool yeah. he was cool uh but yeah that's that's he's he's the bagel i'm the pizza um it's it's a double entendre thing because you know new jersey is famous for pizza and bagels and i'm italian he's jewish so it's like that's I think it was between when we were like coming up with names, it was between that and the schmutzadels, which was like a, a mix of schmutz and mozzarella. Uh, so we ended up like when we put out music, we put it out under schmutzadels, but we haven't really done much. Uh, but yeah, we put out music for people too. We mostly just use it as like a content farm of sorts is reluctantly call it a label. Because I don't know what else we would call it. <laughs> and let's give who are some of the other New Jersey based artists that have found their way to uh, Pizza Bagel Records? Well, we have, um, we've put out music for Wizard Brain from Caldwell, uh, Big Stink are my buddies from Montclair. Uh, we have some stuff coming out with this kid, Laszlo, uh, in Metuchen and Sunny Boy in Jersey City. 
Um, just a lot of some of like, I feel like half of it is like there was this record label sniffling indie kids, which uh, like half of us were on that. And they kind of, they all like bowed out of music uh, to do the whole family thing. And when that, that happened, we were like, all right, we're going to start this, but we don't want it to end up being like sniffling indie. Like we don't want to just take all the bands from sniffling indie kids. So, but it ended up being that way. Cause it's just friends. Uh, but yeah, so some of that stuff. And then the two things that I'm really stoked on that we did are kind of because we didn't want to like, I don't know, recruit bands and be like, Oh, like let's do your fucking shit. Uh, we like you, we could offer you this much cause we can't offer you really anything other than just like friendship and maybe like a run of cassettes. But uh, we, we did two years in a row. I think we're going to take a break from it this year, but we did these uh, compilations, just a open call compilation uh, about, we, we had everyone write songs about food and then we donated all the money to the uh, Community Food Bank of New Jersey. So the first year we did songs about soup because uh, Max, the other guy, he made some New Jersey soup group on Facebook and it like, it randomly blew up. Like there's like a thousand <laughs> members in it and like everyone was just posting their soups and like homemade soups or like places to get soups. And it was like this really cool thing for a while. So we had 24, I think submissions for the soup comp. And I think we raised um, like three or $400 for the community food bank with that. That was really cool. And then the next year we did a uh, breakfast bops. So we had people write songs about breakfast, but um that one, I think just like, I think we tried to, uh, get, get lightning to strike twice, or at least that's how it felt for me. We just kind of were a little more burnt out the second time around. So I think we're going to take the year off from doing the compilation, but I want it to come back eventually in some form, but that's like my, uh, what I'm most proud of that we did as a label. I really love it. I have to say. I feel like in general, my first impression was that you had violent fans, which could not be further from the truth. Because as I've gotten to know you, it seems more like you're just driven to create. You try to make cool shit that speaks to you. And then you try to also just link up with other local people in the area who are making cool shit and do what you can to shine a spotlight on them. And I think those are about the best things you can be doing as an artist. That, that's to go back to the beginning question uh, about uh, writing about New Jersey, that's kind of like the whole um, thesis to like my whole way of thinking in general is just, I don't think, I don't think like there's ever an instance where, unless you have a lot of money, I don't think there's ever an instance where like you could, you could blow up or you could get famous or whatever. You, you could find major success in whatever you do just like as a standalone thing. I think, you know, when you go back historically and you look at like uh, any music scene, like it's not just one band that made it all possible. It's like a series of bands like championing, championing together. And it's, it's these scenes that kind of blow up and there's obviously the poster boy, poster child, whatever, sorry um, for that. And that's kind of always been my thing is like, I hear so many people complaining like, oh, like I want to get more shows in Brooklyn because that's where all like the good shit's happening. And it's like, why? We like, there's plenty of us here. There's no, um, 
there's no shortage of bands here. There's no, sh I mean, there's less venues now since COVID, but there's still plenty of venues to play. And it's just like, you just don't want to do that or you're just not having fun doing that. So I've always tried to like, yo, let's just make New Jersey a place that people want to go to because then people from out of state will see that and be like, oh, this is a cool place. I should probably try and make a point to stop here when I'm touring or like, people will just want to go to shows to go to shows rather than like supporting their one friend who they, you know, their one friend that's in a band. It's just like the more people that are having fun, the more attention something gets. So that's always been my way of thinking. I do notice it in comedy as well. I feel like there's, um, there's a little bit of a nature of New Jersey artists that feel self-conscious about it or self-defeating about New Jersey being an impediment but there's also such a short memory because everybody forgets that like every few years you all of a sudden have that situation where everybody goes, Oh, look at all the great bands coming out of Asbury lanes, you know, or, yeah. Oh shit. New, the new Brunswick basement scene has this new wave that's coming out of the new Brunswick basements or, you know, all these bands have relocated to Jersey city and they're playing these different venues. Like you see, you see these things happen, but the shelf life for New Jersey artists, they, it, it does feel like, I see it with comedians too of you forget that you can blow up out of Jersey and be a proud Jersey artist and people will come to us sometimes and you don't have to always go to Philly and Brooklyn to make it happen. Yeah, Of course you got to go play the game and make those things happen and take those shows when they come. But even for, you know, even for the generation of artists you're talking about, I sit here, I go, it's, it, we forget so quickly. Like the front bottoms are the nicest guys and they're huge. And it wasn't that many years ago that they were just a couple guys from Bergen County, yeah. you know, like Titus Andronicus. It's just a guy from Mawa at the end of the day, screaming females, New Brunswick basement band. Like these are all in recent memory, but sometimes Jersey artists, we do. It's, it's funny because we have that chip on our shoulder that makes us kind of aggressive about wanting to go out and get things done and make it happen. But then there's also some of that self-defeat about the relationship with the cities around us. And it's a bummer to see. Yeah, I mean, I love New York for certain things, but honestly, like, every time I play a show there, it just, I don't know. I don't know if it's because I'm not, like, that's the thing with it is, like, all my friends who get good shows in Brooklyn, they hustle, you know? They, they, they go to shows in Brooklyn every night to, like, get in with that crowd, and then it's like, well, I don't want to have to commute to the city every day to, like, be a part of a music scene when I could just, like help make a music scene good in my backyard. Um, there's a really good uh, AJJ lyric. I guess it's like, a, it's um, kind of, it, or it, it always hit me hard, but it was like, this, like, it's not the most PC thing to say now, but it's like, uh, I could be a pussy and move to Portland or New York, or I could stay and change the place that I'm from. And as a young, young John Cos folk punk fan, that always hit me hard. I always like that lyric a lot. I can imagine. Are there are there uh, are there venues right now in Jersey? Because I know you and I crossed over a prototype. Mm -hmm. Great venue in Patterson. Yeah, like kind of a dream venue. If if you are somebody who likes the DIY style thing, they have hatched a venue that's like from a, the the fantasy in your brain. I just played Flemington DIY for the first time. That's a great place, Jeff. 
is awesome. Yeah. Oh, amazing people down there. Amazing people down there. I just did a coffee shop in Booten. Booten Coffee. Yeah. Great venue. Cool Great venue. Are there are there places happening in Jersey right now that you're like, if you're into this type of grassroots coming up from the bottom stuff, that you're like, these are the places supporting us. Um, I mean, <laughs> the Meat Locker. I feel like you have to always mention that is like Meat Locker give, Montclair, give or take. Uh, what you, whatever you feel about that place is like historical. It's like the worst. It's the worst place, but also the best place. And I think everyone shares that opinion. Uh, but some other places, Pet Shop in Jersey City. I know you. I just I, you played that great, great okay, place. Yeah. yeah, they've been killing it for a while now. Um, trying to think, like where else I've been playing. I, I have I have kind of taken it. I haven't been playing too much this year, just because I've been working on uh, the movie thing, um, and COVID kind of shut down a lot of places. Oh, like of course, yeah. Index in Newark was was a place I really loved to play, um, but he got hit. He was like a. Th- it was that place was insane. It was like a three. They're still. I, I'll shout them out because they're still. Uh, a space but it was like three floors the first floor was a venue the second floor was an art gallery and the third floor was all uh artist studios um and uh the city came and told him that his landlord said that they were selling the building or gonna convert it to apartments obviously because that's what's happening uh everywhere um but they gave him a new building and now it's just artists. So there's no venue anymore, but it's still a place you could support. You could support the artists that are there. So I will always shout them out. Um, Jimmy's and and Carney's, I know is, I haven't been there, but I've been seeing a lot of like hardcore shows are happening. I'm not really in the hardcore scene, but a lot of my friends who are, I know that place kind of does shows a lot. Um, so yeah. Those are some good places. You mentioned the Meat Locker in Montclair. I also want to shout out my friends at Silver Stream Studios in Montclair. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that place is – Timmy's awesome. Timmy's awesome. That space is this tiny little recording studio where he also has a front half that he sells fanzines and skateboard decks and T-shirts and stuff. There's no air conditioning. You have to walk across the stage to get into the bathroom. There's a lot of reasons it shouldn't work, and for some reason, it really, really works. No, uh- I, it's I, every time I go there, I'm just like this. This place is so. Um, there's just not places like that anymore, and I'm I'm happy that it's it's a new space and it exists in 2023 uh, because it doesn't feel like it should. No, but it, it does, it, and I'm I'm stoked on it. It feels like an old Montclair. It feels like the type yeah. of place in Montclair yeah, that they like, usually shut down and don't come back in Montclair. Yeah, and it's like right below that restaurant, and I'm like, I don't know how the people from the restaurant don't complain about us being here, but yeah, yeah, I really that yeah that that's a good spot. He holds both shows there and does a lot of open mics, comedy open open mics, folk music, open mics, hip hop, open mics. And it's really become this hub for a bunch of different scenes to just have a place to go to try out new stuff. And that's where I met, uh, I met Road Knows Best at a Silverstream show who I believe has done some stuff with you. Yeah. I have her, um, have her sticker right here. <laughs> right next to you. Look at that. Yeah. And it's funny. We should talk about the meat locker. Fun fact about me. I grew up in West Orange, lived in Montclair for a year or two. Never went to the meat locker, even though it's been around for decades. I've never, You've never been there. Still, I've never been to a meat locker show because they always did stuff that was much. Um, the reputation 
that they were doing a lot more hardcore yeah, and sort was, of like metal stuff when I was young. It was, it was from what I, I mean, when I was younger, I used to not go there. I didn't go there until I was like 20 and people are like, what, how, how's, I think, um, I don't know. There, I, I went to Bloomfield Ave Cafe once when I was like 12. I used to go there. Yeah. And then I decided I was going to be a skateboarder and not a musician. So I, I stopped going. I stopped paying attention to shows. I don't know if that was the reason why. But yeah, the Meat Locker used to be, I think, early, like early 2000s was like still hardcore. And then I, by the time I started coming around, there seemed to be like a, a mix of like DIY like indie bands coming there and hardcore bands and like the hardcore guys all like ran the door and ran the venue but then like indie bands would come in and there was always kind of like a rift like because you know there's a crossover to a degree but like the hardcore kids would always be like oh it's always the fucking indie kids that get drunk and cause trouble and then the indie kids would always be like oh all the hardcore kids aren't PC and are like being mean to us and this and that. And then it was just like, it was, it's, it was a funny time, but now all the dude, uh, the dude who was like, there's like the owner Roy. And then, uh, before COVID there was this dude, Dan Revis who kind of ran the space and like took care of all the shows. But since COVID, um, he stepped back and like his whole crew was like running it with him was like the, uh, Hard, all like hardcore kids. Um, so now it's kind of just like a free for all. Cause it's just this dude, Roy, who's like, I don't know. He's, he's, he's a, a very interesting cryptic of New Jersey and just kind of lets people do whatever they want. Like I know my friends played there the other night and they were saying that somebody, one of the bands like set up one of those fucking car, like, <laughs> I, I, I realized this is, this is going to just be a, a video or not a video audio. So nobody knows, but uh family guy, they call it the wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube you, man or whatever. The type of thing you'd see outside, like a yeah. used car place to get people off the street. Yeah. What are those guys? But yeah, it's, it's a cool place. It's, it's a lot. It can be mellow sometimes too. It's known. It has a reputation again, never having been there and not trying to talk ill. It's known as a place that, a lot of really creative stuff happens and also where there's not many rules. These are the things you sort of hear about the meat locker. Yeah. I've, I've heard, I've heard like up until the 2010s, people would like smoke crack just like there. <laughs> and I know like everyone gets stoked when uh, the murder junkies would play there and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know, but it's, it's a place that definitely, should uh should always get shouted out when talking about New Jersey venues and New Jersey music history because it's an important place. And it somehow Whether, keeps surviving. No yeah. matter how bougie Montclair gets, the meat locker survives. It's, it floods all the time. It is it should not work at all, but somehow the, the mics shock you whenever you're singing into them. It shouldn't work. And I it's been shut down a bunch of times. Uh, but somehow it keeps coming back. I love it. So let's talk about this Jersey Devil film music project. Sure. Um, so yeah, I um, I've always wanted to um, do something uh, tying into New Jersey folklore, 
Um, I think one one issue of Weird New Jersey, they did this interview with this pro skater from Jersey about this abandoned wind tunnel in Fairfield. And then I kind of was like, oh, it would be cool to do a photo series where I like, I make like a fanzine where I get photos at the skate spots or like make a skate spot at like a weird New Jersey location and have one page of it be the photo of like the skate trick. And then the other page be uh, the story of what it's about. And I started trying to like piece that project out and was like, this would just be too hard. I don't really feel like doing this. Um, (laughs) And was just kind of still thinking about it. And then was like, Oh, you know, it would be easier than doing that writing songs about these things and making a movie about it, which obviously is not easier. It was just, I don't know how I decided to spend my summer, but uh, yeah, it's four songs uh, about things I read about in weird New Jersey growing up that just always intrigued me. Well, actually three of them are about weird New Jersey. One of them is just the Passaic river, but uh, yeah, four songs about these things. And I, I, when I was writing them, I was like, Oh, it'd be cool to kind of tie it all into a movie. And then I created this, created a script, whatever, uh, that just tied, tied three lore, these three lores together. Um, and tried to keep it as, uh, accurate to the actual tales, but obviously took some creative liberties, but there's, um, a song about Clinton road, a song about the Jersey devil, a song about the gates of hell, and then a song about the Passaic river. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it, cause I don't know, it's like, you, you worked for weird New Jersey. It's like, <laughs> it's like that, that, that book changed my, I, I was, I went it, the book came out in 2003, I think. Yeah. Cause it's the 20 year anniversary of it. Um, so I was in third grade. I don't know how old you are in third I, grade. I, 10, I worked from them. I worked for them from 99 to 2003. Okay. So I worked for them in, did the book. in the years leading up to the book. Um, was it? I think I was there when the Weird New Jersey book came out, and I left before the Weird US book came out. And I was because it. Yeah. In in my mind, or like how I remember it, I don't know how it actually went down, but like it seemed like overnight everybody had that book, and everybody was just reading it and talking about it, and I was just like, obviously too young to drive anywhere, but I would just sit up and like read stories from it was bummed that there was like nothing cool in Nutley. And, um, <laughs> there's the book mentions some, uh, guy, he sold statues. So his whole house had these old like statues. Yes. That was a Nutley guy. But, um, the closest things to me were all in Clifton and the most intriguing one was the gates of hell. And, um, I just knew it was off of a train track. And when I was a kid, when I, once I was like aware of my surroundings enough, I was like, okay, Clifton is this way. And these are train tracks. So these train tracks must be the train tracks that go to the gates of hell. And it's a train track that only like runs like once a month at like three in the morning. And I, so I would, I always walk down them uh, and just, tried like I, I think I walked like four miles through Clifton and just nowhere near the actual gates of hell. 
Um, <laughs> and then I told my brother too, I was like, cause like we were, he's like, did you go today? I'm like, no, I didn't get close enough yet. So like him and his friends started like walking the train tracks, trying to find it like very, uh, stand by me esque. And then, uh, my cousin went there. He was a little older. Um, and he, he went there with his friend and they went through the whole thing and he was like, oh, we got to go back and make a YouTube video about it. And he took the YouTube video down, which is upsetting because he was he's uh, he's scared that it would hurt him in his professional life. So he took it down. But uh, there was a video of the first time I went there. And it's so funny. Um, but, yeah, it's just like that was always just since a kid was probably like the first thing that like made me proud to be from New Jersey. Well, me too. I remember cause I, I discovered weird New Jersey. There were kind of a few phases of it, which was first it was just a fanzine and you'd hear about it on WFMU radio. But then with issue number eight, they started bringing it up from the underground. It was like a full fledged magazine. And I found it at middle earth comics on Bloomfield Ave in Montclair. And, uh, then there was the book phase where it kind of put together all the magazine's best stuff. And as someone who's working on the magazine and helping to put it together into the book, it's like the exact dream scenario to pass on that pride in New Jersey to a younger generation. And I love that it's turned into this film project. So before we lose sight of it, the name of the project is? Uh, the Legend of Louie. Um, and how can people get it? Uh, well, there's going to be a, pre I don't know when this is going to come out, um, but the premiere for it is going to be November 4th uh, at Ghost Talk Brewery in Clifton. Uh, shout out to them too. They do do shows sometimes. Uh, and he's, Steve's awesome. You guys are doing a show there. Uh, but um, We are. We are. Yeah. So we're going to premiere it there and I'll probably just put it on YouTube after that. Um, it'll be pretty easy to get. That's another thing. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I wrote these songs cause I was like, I don't know if people, I'm sure, you know, people still know about the Jersey devil at least, but like, do I, I'm, I'm not in touch with the youth. Yeah. I don't know if kids, uh, kids are out here breaking into abandoned buildings and going into, uh, sewage tunnels. Um, and it's just kind of my way of, of keeping these stories alive. Uh, if not for anyone else, for me. Dude, I had a very fun thing. First of all, I love that. I love you saying this is your effort. You know, if you write about Clinton Road, maybe these kids will Google it, realize that it's real with these actual stories, and then they'll be the next generation to go drive around up there. I think that's great. I, I had a great thing where there's a bunch of kids who live in my neighborhood, and all the kids play together. And my, my son's best friend, who is five has an older brother who is seven and they're all obsessed with the ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. And I go really big with my Halloween decorations every year. And this year I'm going to start tying them into actual weird New Jersey stuff, that's awesome. like stuff that's yeah. close to us. I'm getting signage made. And one day they were at my house and one of the, the older kid who's seven, he saw a copy of weird New Jersey. I had one of the newest magazines and he was like, what's this? And I was like, Oh, I don't know if you should be totally looking at that right now. Cause you never weird. New yeah. Jersey, some hard, he's seven, yeah. seven, you know, I love Mark and Mark to death, but like a seven year old, you got to pick it. But I flipped through a couple of the things and I was like, this one, you can look at that one. You can look at, 
But then I started explaining to him, it's this magazine that's all about pretty much haunted stuff in New Jersey. And you, you know, you love Ghostbusters and you're from New And he was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, okay, what's not too far? I live out near Morristown. I'm like, the Jersey, the, the devil's tree is not too far from here. I'll tell you about the devil's tree and yeah, ghosts in the great swamp and some of them, some of the stuff from that area. And I could see his eyes lighting up and I'm like, this is kind of part of our job Yeah, as dads in New Jersey right now. We're going to make sure the kids are still out here getting trespassing tickets for these types of things. I agree. I think, uh, I think it's important to like keep those keep that legacy alive and just the stories. Cause if anything, it's just, I don't know. It keeps kids outside walking around. Keeps, and I like that. Keeps them linking up with each other. Keeps them going on adventures. You mentioned before stand by me. I'm like, I do think New Jersey youth have always had this sort of like stand by me mentality, Goonies mentality, this idea of like, you know, for us in West Orange, it was like Monk's castle was right there in Montclair and Verona, Let's go the, the abandoned mental hospital up in Verona and called all these things were right there. Yeah. But we felt we could go on a Goonies adventure. Yeah. And we got to make sure that Jersey kids still have that, like we'll hop a fence to go see something fucked up spirit. Cause I think it's part of what this state can give you that other places don't give you as much of. And it, well, it's also, I think because it's so small, Yeah. like there's so many different landscapes of New Jersey. So you could get like the weird country side stuff or like weird, I don't know, more like urban, uh, haunted urban places. And I don't, I, I also, it's just an old place. So, you know, there's history, like, yeah, and graves everywhere. It's very old buildings everywhere. So, Louis, who is Louis? How did all these things connect? I love knowing that this is, uh, so it sounds like these are songs. Songs with the video component that tie them all together almost in a way that this is almost like the John Cos New Jersey rock opera in some sense. Yeah, my one friend is calling it that. Um, and I tried to do this kind of thing before, but it didn't make sense because I wrote like four songs and was like, I'll make a movie about them. But it, it did. So I was like, I need a redemption of this. Uh, so this is the redemption of this. And this is the song. I played these songs. At, I, I think I like debuted a lot of them at your at the prototype show we did. Um, it was amazing because it was a New Jersey themed night and every song you, I remember you going, this one's about the Passaic river <laughs> and people would start clapping. And then the very next one, this one's about Clinton road, everybody. And you didn't need to explain any of the references. I was proud of the crowd that night. Um, but yeah, so Louis, I, I don't know if historically the Jersey devil has a real name. I know his parents are Daniel and Deborah Leeds. Um, but I always thought it would be funny if it was just like this really Jersey name. So Louis <laughs> is short for Lucifer. So his name is Louis. Um, Louis Leeds. Yeah. Lou, Lou Leeds, no relation to Lou Reed. Uh, but so the story is mostly about him, uh, meeting me or me meeting him, I guess. And, uh, trying to reconnect with his cousin, Mikey, who is the guardian of the gates of hell, red eye Mikey. Cause I thought it would be funny if like, yeah, Louie and Mikey, uh, and red eye Mikey is just a drunk and that's why his eyes are red. I can't wait to see this. I can't wait to experience this for myself. I also love how bashful you are in talking about it, even though I'm here interviewing you about it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know you're like big on 
all the weird New Jersey stuff too, but I don't know. It's just, I, I woke up today thinking I was just going to be making wine and then you hit me up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So let's transition to, cause we got a few minutes left and I, I know so people can support your music. They can track you down on Bandcamp, Pizza Bagel Records down on Bandcamp, Legend of Louie coming soon. They can follow you on social to get updates on that. Ghost Talk Brewery, all of these things are great. But you also hustle in another way, which is you have your own coffee company called Kaz Coffee. You have your own trailer that you bring to different events. I want to hear a little bit about where people can support you and how Kaz Coffee was born. Uh, so Kaz Coffee... I've been working in coffee for, I think, like 12 years now. I went to a school in Newark, NGIT, and I was working at this cafe there and just like really fell in love with coffee. And when I was finishing up with school, I worked at a few different coffee shops. Finishing up with school just was like, I don't think I want to do architecture. I I like coffee a lot. I'm going to do coffee. So I started, I learned the roasting process for coffee. I used to sleep at this cafe because there's a cafe I worked at was in New Jersey. And then um, they roasted coffee in the Catskills. So I was like, I'm going to learn how to roast coffee. So I'd sleep in the Catskills like two, three days a week. And I learned the whole craft. And then during COVID, I ended up, uh, I went back, I, I was working for them through half of COVID, like, or I say half of COVID. You have COVID right now. Uh, you know, it's true. We are. I am currently suffering from COVID, uh, but I know the stretch you mean. Yeah. We all understand um, the years you are referring to with that. Yeah. So I, I was, I was kind of the only one working because I ran the online store, uh, and I came back after like three weeks of not working. Did it for like two, three months, but was kind of just making a little more money because of the stimulus money that was coming in, and was like, you know what. I'm going to take this as an opportunity to maybe just try and start my own thing. And my dad helped me out with uh, the space that it exists in. And we built out this space and it was born. Uh, So I started it as just an online roasting company, coscoffeeroasting.com. And I was like, how can I just like take every, the communities that I've built through skateboarding and music how can I umbrella them under coffee? So I just decided to like really put an emphasis on the creative creative aspect of it. And um, all the bags have artwork from local artists on them. I try to get friends to do merch whenever I can afford them. Uh, and that's how it started, just selling bags of coffee online. And I think I like timed it at such a good time because it was like the end of summer, which is usually a dead time but there was such a novelty and excitement behind it that it just like pushed me from, but it was just like such a novelty time. So everyone was like excited about it and just got through the holidays. And I was like, okay, I made it. I made it like six months now just doing this. Let's just see how long I can push it. And then I started doing farmers markets. And uh, from there I realized I could do like pop-up events and, and festivals and, weddings and stuff like that. And I was like, let's really like push the mobile end of this thing. So now I have the trailer and I do the Nutley farmer's market, Bloomfield farmer's market kind of events almost every week. Uh, currently working to working with Belleville to see if I could get the trailer up and running uh, five days a week as like a kind of standalone thing. 
Uh, so I'm excited about that. But yeah, the uh, the best way to support it is either just like following along on Instagram or picking up a bag online. I love it so much. I love no so much of your work is just you keep name dropping Nutley, Clifton, Bloomfield, Belleville, like all these areas that are just the area you grew up. Really, uh, you're still so firmly connected to. Well, I think that it's really cool. It's funny because I always wanted to move somewhere. I was always like, ah, you know, classic. Like, Fuck this place. I'm I'm getting out of here. And then I uh, started dating my now wife. She was living in Florida at the time. I was like going down there a lot to skateboard and we met and then she would come up here and then I was like, all right, I'm finishing school this year. Um, why don't you come up during the last semester so we could give you some time to like adjust to living here and then we'll maybe like move to Philly or something just so like we both are like living somewhere that's foreign to us. So it's like, you know, like I'm not like bringing you into my life and now you have to deal with all my stuff. Uh, so she moved up here my last semester of school and I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to leave. And then at the end of the semester, she's like, no, nah, this place is awesome. Like <laughs> I could get like a Italian because in Florida, like she's she would always she's from Buffalo. So she's like grew up in like an Italian area and was like, yeah, when I moved to Florida, I go to like a deli or Publix. And I asked for a Capicola sandwich and they, uh, they always would give me such a pain cause they never like have it cut and ready to go. So she like came here and was just getting them all the time. It's like, this place is awesome. I want to stay here. I'm like, all right, I guess, I guess we will. And it, that was cool because it, it, um, it gave me an opportunity to like re love a lot of the things, uh, I grew up, you know, just showing her things and seeing things through like the lens of her eyes and like just experiencing things kind of for the first time again, I was like, yeah, isn't this place great? And isn't this place great? Um, but yeah, that's why, you know, I don't know. Now at this point it's like, it's in me, you know, New Jersey, Belleville, Nutley, Essex County, baby. I love hearing that in a very real way. Your love was not built on, but strengthened by Gabagool. <laughs> yeah. That's not an exaggeration. Yeah, that's true. I love it. I love it. John, I have to thank you for talking today. Everybody, please support Kaz Coffee, support John's music, support Pizza Bagel Records. I also feel like we could have talked a whole other hour just about, I've always been very familiar with the punk scene, kind of in and out of it, always at the edge of it. But I also know that right next to the punk scene, Jersey's always had a very strong skate scene and those things cross over. And I'm sure we could talk forever about that because I know you're very connected with that as well. Yeah, I mean, that's like, I guess it's like my real bread and butter is like growing up doing skateboarding more than music. I didn't start skating or I didn't start playing music till, or like, you know, participating in the scene until my twenties. I I've always been a skater and uh, it's, it's a similar thing to music or comedy where like a lot of people fucking go to Philly or New York and kind of make that their thing and try to like peel off New Jersey. But the people who rep New Jersey are like heavy. And then like, everyone pretends they're like, yeah, like Jersey's secretly the best place in New York to skate, which is kind of funny, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of us out here and New Jersey is a big role in skateboarding. Are there big, uh, what are the big Jersey skate towns? I have to imagine Jersey city. Jersey city is and isn't. I, <laughs> I actually hate skating there. It, 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 it's, uh, they have NJ skate shop. 
they have two skate parks, so they definitely have like a very strong skate scene. I just I don't know if it's just me getting older and not liking being in Jersey City as much. Um, <laughs> and they, there used to be a really cool DIY park in Jersey City too at Liberty State Park. Uh, but to me, I think the best the best city I've ever skated. Uh, in general, in the whole country, is Newark. In my opinion, everything about it is just so, like, crusty, and nobody cares, like, what you're doing there, so you don't really get kicked out of anything. Uh, And there's a lot of spots in just a small zone and a lot going on. Uh, So I always, like, I always will rep Newark as, like, the best city to skate. Uh, Then... There's, there's like, it's similar to music, I guess, because New Brunswick has a whole scene of skaters. Um, and then, but that's, yeah, it, it's all kind of spread out. I mean, I guess now that, like, more skate parks are coming up, there's, like, these clusters of things. Like, now we have the Montclair Skate Park that came up. And it's the first uh, skate park in the country designed by this pro skater who's also an architect she built these like skate sculptures in Montclair. So a lot of people have been going there. Um, but yeah, my, uh, sorry. Newark, I think is the best uh, place to skate. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Spoken like a true gentleman of Essex County. Uh, John, thank you so much for filling us in on everything. Legend of Louie out soon. Support John's music. Buy Cos coffee. Support one of the the true <laughs> manic creative voices of the great state of New Jersey. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I um, I think so too. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, and just I have one thing that I would like to close on. Sure. Uh, when we, yeah. I was thinking it, maybe I manifested this whole thing because before you hit me up, I was thinking about um, your Taco Bell bit you were doing at the prototype show. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's and one of my newest bits. Yeah. You mentioned something about how, whenever you go there, you mix two drinks together or something. And I thought I make mix Mountain Dew and Pepsi and I only do it at Taco Bell. And it was funny because I was like, Oh my God, he's about to say the same thing I do. And it, it's a different combo than what I do, but I do this. I don't really drink soda that much. Just, I drink birch beer at Rutza. And then at Taco Bell, I drink what I call gray soda. It's a combination of Baja Blast, which is only at Taco Bell, Baja Blast and pink lemonade. And when you combine them just right, it's like, it looks like dishwater. It's like a gray dishwater and it, it, it's delicious. And I was, I was, I just thought it was funny that we both have like a specific to Taco Bell soda combination. Just a disgusting taco. I just want to know what you got to do to sneak in a gallon jug and start selling gray soda out of the Cos Coffee trailer. (laughs) That would be a good bit. That would be a good bit. Someday. Yeah. Someday. John, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Uh, For the uninitiated, this is the voice, both golden and illustrious, of your ultra-talented super producer, Carson the Colonel Cop, here to request that you drop all plans that you may have already made for Saturday, October 7th, between the hours of 6 and question marks. I am putting on a New Jersey is the World listener meetup slash live show at 
the Ghost Hawk Brewing Company, located at 321 River Road in Clifton, New Jersey, conveniently across the street from Rutt's Hut, featuring the excellent alt-country sounds of New Jersey's own Secret Country and Brewster. The admission is free, but the beer is not. And it shouldn't be, damn it, because the beer is excellent. I'd like to give a huge shout-out to owner, brewmaster, and friend, Steve Bauer, who donated to me the monitor that I've been editing this show on ever since my return to Newark a few years back. So, be sure to follow Ghost Talk Brewing Company, Brewster, and Seeker Country on Instagram, as well as New Jersey is the World on Instagram, which I'm sure you already do, to stay abreast of any and all further details. So, to recap, Saturday, October 7th, 6 p.m., live music, delicious beer, camaraderie, hosts, and friends from New Jersey is the World. Come one, come all. I hope to see you there. Thank you all very much. I hope you're having a lovely day. Love, peace, and pizza grease, baby. Woo!